to Nerds of the Round Table, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. And on this episode, we're going to be doing a listener request. Um, one of our listeners slash guest, uh, graphically novel Josh, was uh, horrified to discover we hadn't already reviewed The Martian. <laughs> and so he requested slash uh, was disgusted by the fact that we haven't done it yet. <laughs> So we are reviewing The Martian. Well, uh, I'm directly. glad we can rectify this uh, because there are so many. I was having this conversation with my daughter as well. There are so many great movies that we haven't got to already. And I'm looking so forward to looking into with you guys. But, yeah, so diving into The Martian is something that is past due. And I think this is the first Ridley Scott movie, isn't it? that i'm aware of right off the bat i believe how so did we let that happen i believe so yeah well we well we we messed up and <laughs> skipped straight to aliens you know instead of aliens <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, we've not got to blade runner yet we've not drafted yet so let's see and uh, so we're talking about <laughs> and i think one of our gentlemen in the room is uh, absolutely opposed to kingdom of heaven <laughs> you know not Nobody bats a thousand. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you've already uh, alluded it, Jamie, to uh, you know a great, great uh, establishing pedigree for this movie, Ridley Scott. Uh, you know, but look at the cast in this thing. I know this is a big discussion later, but you know this is a- adapted from a novel, which was originally started chapter by chapter. By this Weir guy, Andy Weir, is it? Andy Weir, yeah. Andy Weir. And so on his blog, he was releasing this chapter by chapter as people were following. And he just got so famous, such a following. Um, this this movie uh, began to develop. And you, know, you have Matt Damon, Sean Bean, Jessica Chastain, Michael Pena, Sebastian Stan, uh, Chitwell Ejiofor, Donald Glover, Jeff Daniels. I don't know if I said him already or not, but I mean, just an amazing, amazing cast. Mm-hmm. And uh, have you guys read the book? Yes, I have not. It's been on my short list, and uh, and I haven't uh, been devouring books at a uh, pace that I'm comfortable with right now. So I'm hopefully going to get to that very soon. Yeah, I did read the book, and I read uh, the follow-up that's not connected to this at all, but uh, his second book, I read both of them. So. Yeah, Ar- Artemis. Artemis, yes. That's supposedly in pre-production at the moment. Now, he, 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 they always sell the movie rights. Both of his books, the movie rights were sold before like, the book rights. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that blog you were talking about, like he, he sold the movie rights to that before they before published the, the book, book. Before yeah. the book rights were even sold. Oh, wow. All right, well, but before we get into the nitty-gritty of The Martian, we have to keep it 100. It's time to keep it 100. 100. 100. 100. All right, and I have the privilege of going first and horrifying Sammy and Dwayne, I suspect. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. So here we go. Three, two, one. Uh, my keeping 100 this week is John Carter. Uh, (laughs) Hear me out. I dig it. I dig it. Well, then you may not like it either still. Um, 
this movie is a really interesting failure. Um, and I think part of the reason is it's, it's, it's this inspiration for a lot of the sci-fi that we love. And so it's nice looking back and seeing like, you know, what Star Wars, you know, took from John Carter. Uh, maybe some things even Frank Herbert took from some of his work from John Carter, all, all that kind of stuff. But like, but so much has been built off of John Carter that like, you know, the things that were innovative are now like stale tropes. Mm-hmm. And like, it's interesting. Okay, how, how do you adapt that now? And so it's interesting to look at that, you know, these things that were, were new concepts that are now just, you know, well-worn paths. Um, and so there's maybe just, there's just things we can't go back to. Which kind of makes me afraid for the new Dune movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> so much has been stolen for Dune, from Dune, you know. But then there are the casting mistakes. Um, that both of the leads in this movie have been good, like side characters and other things, uh, but not so much as leads. Uh, and and you and you, I think it's interesting too to see like what a failure that like a lack of chemistry between your two leads can can do to a movie. Um, and also giving a director who's only worked in animation before a giant budget uh, for his very first movie. Um, it's an interesting failure. There's a, there's a lot. It's just, as I watched, I was just interested by the mistakes that were made. And I went over time. Sorry, guys. <laughs> well, uh, much like the movie went over time, you did too just there. Uh, I think <laughs> it was a little bit longer than it needed it's just, to be. Yeah, it's just a mess. Um, but now, I will tell you, it's a beautiful mess. It's it's a gorgeous movie. The effects, uh, the the uh, the you know the the filmography. It's it's gorgeous. It's like you said. You know, John Carter was you know this old old science fiction book, and all of the things that were cool in it then, much like you know the original Star Wars. You know, the kids watch it today and they're just like, oh, okay, you know, I've seen that before. Yeah. But you know, at the time, it blew your socks off. Yeah, but it was interesting watching all the missteps. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah. and, and think about like, how, how would you really have to update this to make it fresh again? Right. Yeah. It's not a horrible movie, but like you said, there's, no. there's so many little things that make this such a perfect disaster. My, my favorite little um, factoid about it, though, <laughs> is um, Andrew Stanton. He'd worked at, directed lots of Pixar movies, but he'd never done live action before. He thought he knew stuff from animation. They had to completely refilm this movie from beginning to end three times. Wow. They made this movie three separate times. So apparently third time wasn't the charm. Apparently not. <laughs> 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 and with that, Sam, what's your keeping it 100 this week? <laughs> All right. So my keeping it 100 this week is Kirby at War. Um, you know, this is a documentary on Amazon Prime right now dealing with Jack Kirby's time serving in France during World War II. And unlike most documentaries, like I said, that really want to focus on his years at Marvel and, and you know, his cre- help, helping creation of the Marvel age and the Marvel universe. This is dealing with a very succinct time period. Uh, it's only 53 minutes. So it really focuses and looks at the impact of World War II on Jack Kirby and his art. They pull direct panels and show how those panels are related to things that happened to him during this time. Uh, There are exact instances that you can see in Marvel Sergeant Fury. Nationals are fighting forces that, that it's right from his own experiences. 
So it's really interesting to see that mirror. Um, you know, we say Jack Kirby is king, uh, but it's interesting to see not just the comicography, but the life experiences and how this war affected him really for the rest of his life. So if you're interested in a diff different look at Jack Kirby, check out Kirby at War. And that's my keeping it 100. That's really interesting. Uh, and it's shocking. Okay. Like they show a self portrait that he drew before he went and one that he drew there. And it, and it's as shocking and as different as when you look at Picasso's blue period versus cubism or his rose period. It's that striking of a difference at how the war affected him. So, um, it was interesting. There are some French subtitles because there are some of the speakers there, like in the documentary, are French. So you get a lot of subtitles, but it was still good. So. Hmm. All right. Uh, Dwayne, are you ready? I am ready. Go. Okay. My keeping it 100 this week is something uh, I feel like I need a theme song, the, the, the anticipation song. Anticipation. <laughs> because it's something I haven't got to yet. It's something I'm very excited to visit. Um, just today, I picked up my first graphic novel in a long time, Secret Wars. Um, and I was I was in the bookstore, and, and I had Secret Invasion and Secret Wars side by side, and I said, I don't know which one I should get. These both look very interesting, and I know they're both very massive impact in the Marvel Universe. So I messaged my... And this is my comic guru, Sam. And I said, which one, man? Which one? And uh, so Secret Wars is it. So I look forward to diving into Marvel's Secret Wars. All right. I don't think you'll be dissatisfied. Uh, I'll, I'll have to. I'll have to come back in a couple of weeks with a keeping one hundred. This is my recommendation. <laughs> yeah, with, with with an update, right? <laughs> That that or Jamie, but if you guys do Secret Wars, you can have Dwayne on now that now that he's went down that rabbit hole. So. <laughs> well, we'll see if he has a good time. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. There's no That's, going back now, man. We're, we're still scarred from Infinity, so we'll see. <laughs> I think we're still a little gun shy about big Marvel events. Uh, considering how many uh, tie-ins are in that book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, All speaking right. of scars, life-changing events, and um, traumatic things, uh, we're here to talk about the Martian. Mark Watney being stranded on Mars, left for dead. Opening thoughts and grades. Sam, why don't you lead us off? All right, so I'll start us off. So uh, as we talked about before, um, you know, I read the novel first. And I was in love with the novel. And we all know what usually happens if you read the book first and then go see the movie. Uh, and But the thing is, I was not disappointed. I know it couldn't be exact, but I think it still held for me everything that the book had, the movie had that. And I was very, very pleased with that. Um, I think that the movie captured the humor that's in the book, which is so necessary in this type of situation. Um, but so, you know, cause just Mark Watney's journey in general. Uh, and I love the fact that we're tried to be as scientifically accurate as possible. 
And I think the movie tried to bring some of that without being too dull, uh, getting into the jargon. Uh, so as far as this movie, I really enjoyed it. Uh, grade, I would probably give it an A, though. So I would go A for my grade. Dwayne, where you coming? Well, I, I truly loved this movie. This was uh, something that had been on my radar. I hadn't had a chance to read. I hadn't had a chance to watch it in theaters. Uh, but uh, I happened across it and watched it uh wound up purchasing it digitally years ago for whatever reason. Um, I'm not even sure what happened, but uh, yeah, I heard about the blog. I had even listened to some interviews with Weir who Sammy, I think if I'm not mistaken is a scientist in himself, but like you said, trying to get some of those facts translated to book can be very difficult, you know, for layman's terms. Um, yeah. And I may be mistaken about his profession there. See, Jamie kind of giving me the side eye like, are you, <laughs> Um, but uh, no, I think um, it's some kind of computer guy. I, I don't think yeah. it was the hard sciences, but in, in the same in the right. same way that Mark Watney is, right? Exactly. So he he does have kind of a, a scientific background, but maybe not exactly. Which of course, you know, Michael Pena famously says, you know, it's just it's not like it's real science; it's just botany. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> but uh, you hear I go slipping quotes and, and things in. Yeah. Um, yeah. This was a. Uh, this was such a, a neat thing. And I loved how interesting they made science seem. I love how fun, you know, and, and challenging. And, you know, it, that's all science is, is problem solving. You know, and that's what, you know, Matt Damon says at the end, you know, if you solve enough problems, you're, you're, you're home free. You're out of the issue. So, you know, the science just makes it so much fun. <laughs> Um, but I'm going to go ahead and give my grade before I give anything else away. But this is an A plus to me. I love this movie from beginning to end, from them, you know, ribbing each other on the surface of the planet to all the disasters, to the crew finding out, to NASA dealing with all the stuff, the inner workings of NASA, you know, the, the directors communicating with, you know, the public relations people and the scientific people, the Jet Propulsion Labs folks working together. I mean, that is just so interesting to me. You know, and then, you know, the culmination of the movie is just so intense. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm giving it an A+. Plus. All right. Awesome. Um, I'm in the same range. Uh, I, really, I really dig this movie. Um, outside of Matt Damon, nobody gets a whole lot of screen time, but there's some really good performances. Oh, yeah. Um, some, <laughs> some really nice, you know, uh, glorified cameos. Uh, <laughs> we're going to some of those. Like, some of those, some of those roles were basically just cameos, but they were memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, that movie looks great. Uh, this Ridley Scott guy, he may have a future in the movies. Yeah, um, maybe it's just, just maybe. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but it's got some flaws, some a few a few little things here and there that bug me. Um, so I'm sitting at an A minus. Okay, still a good grade. Still, still an awesome movie. Um, but like I said, a few little things here and there. So for second week in a row, we have the range of A's. Yeah, we have, yeah, we have the honor roll, yeah. Yeah. We have all the honor roll here. Well, that's know, great. Before, before we get into the fans and stuff, I just wanted to kind of mention, you know, when this movie came out, I think we were kind of experiencing almost like a science renaissance. If you look at the movies that were coming out, uh, you had Interstellar coming out r- around this time. You had The Martian. Uh, theory of everything gravity uh, you know gravity you had all these movies kind of coming out with with and they all took different 
I guess, tonality-wise, different looks at science and in terms of, of how to transition that to an SF-feeling movie. But, uh, but you know, this is, this is a good one. So. Uh, but you already alluded to the next uh, segment, which is the fan section. Graphically Novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not-so-classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically Novel. Three brothers who like each other but love comics. And Dwayne, you get the privilege of going first. What do you well, got now? I, okay, well, I've already kind of alluded to my fan. Science. <laughs> Science. <laughs> Science is Science. cool, people. Science is cool. <laughs> You know, um, yeah, it, this movie takes science, it breaks it down into what it truly is. Like I said, it's, you know, it's problem solving. It's working the problem. It's looking at what's at hand, figuring it out. But it does it in such a cool way. You don't have to be a guy in a lab with the coat with three inch thick Coke bottle glasses to be a scientist. You can be a, you know, you can be as cool, rough and tumble, you know, whatever, even if it is just not me. Uh, you know, to work this out. But yeah, I love the portrayal of science and how, you know, Matt Damon, he says, you know, I, I, I have to science the, the crap out of this. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and a few scenes in the movie, he really has to, you know, literally science the crap out of things. Um, but uh, yeah, it's so fun how, you know, he has his problems, how the jet propulsion guys have their problems. How are they going to get from here to there when they start skipping steps? The, the protein cubes turned liquid, you know, when, when they were accelerated so fast, took the whole balance of the, sh- of the rocket off and, and exploded it. You know, just all the little things, you know, the slingshot method uh, or to get back to Mars, the, you know, all of the little, you know, he's, he's keeping himself warm with the, the slowly decaying nuclear, you know. <laughs> You've got to read the book, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's like there's yeah, like seventy five percent more of that stuff in the book. Oh, I'll yeah. love it. I will love it then. I will love it so much more then. Uh, but yeah, that's that's my fan. Is is this like how cool they made science and how much of a hands on approach they took to like really really like communicating this and making it work in to a, to a layman's point of view. Yeah. Yeah, you've yeah, you've got to read the book, man. <laughs> yep, totally. Okay, I'll have to bump it up on my Audible list. Yeah, as soon as you finish Secret Wars, uh, we ain't <laughs> going to listen to it. Yeah, go ahead. But it's <laughs> yeah, there's so much more. Um, uh, so I, I'm next, and uh, I'm going to go with just the look of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks so believable. The American Southwest have never has never looked more like Mars. Um, <laughs> Um, but like even the the costuming and the gear like the spacesuits they look practical they also look like near future they don't look like what we would like you know what NASA was wearing before they shut NASA down Um, when we still had a space program Um, but like it looks believable right it looks like this these would be the suits they'd be wearing on Mars in you know 2030 or whatever it was you notice Mm -hmm. they didn't say a year Um, but the habitat and the rover it all looks appropriate like the the MAV it looks like you know Something that would be functional, something that would really be used. Um, and man, I love the Hermes. I mean, it's not Tumblr cool, but man, <laughs> the, the Hermes is awesome. And the way it spins, the way the cockpit is set up, the, the Hermes is fabulous. And the way they did the wire work inside, mm-hmm. I mean, 
and and those tight quarters, how they how they made that work the way it did. I mean, just the look of this movie is is great, and I mean, it's clear that everything has been thought through, um, and you know, put through the mark, given the Mark, mark Watney treatment, like you know, how would this actually work? Right. Uh, and it's very visually appealing. Um, and so I just think the look of this movie is a huge selling point. Cool. You know, Jamie, you were talking about the Hermes. And if you think about it, it's almost like they said, okay, if we take the International Space Station and turn it into a spaceship, yeah. what would it look like? You know, it's that kind of thing. So it definitely was grounded in, in reality. Yeah, and, and you and also it, have uh, hints of 2001's, uh, you know, station. But also, it's like if we had, if we had like a like a shuttle that never had to land, like mm-hmm. what what what? How would that change how we how we could design it? I mean, it's just they, yeah. they clearly thought it all through. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right, Sammy, what's your all favorite? right? So for me, you know, and we've kind of alluded to this. Uh, probably one of my biggest fans is just the cast, the amazing lineup of actors we have in this movie. And and no matter if it is a a very small cameo, it was just fantastic in the way that it was worked in. And, you know, Matt Damon did such a great job in this movie. Uh, But, you know, even Jessica Chastain, Michael Pena, Sean Bean, they were all so important to the NASA side. You know, I love the fact that it wasn't just cast away on Mars. You know, it's Mm -hmm. it's. You know, get both sides of this. How what both sides are doing, uh, the interactions with the Hermes crew. I just think they work so well together, and you feel that they've been on this mission and developed this bond. Uh, they are willing to sacrifice to help a crew member. You know, so I mean, it could have been Watney or anybody. It it wasn't just the fact that they left him behind. It's the fact that we've got a chance to get him. Um, you know, Matt Damon, though, focusing as far as cast, though, is just brings so much charm and humor to uh, to Watney's character. You know, Dwayne kind of alluded to the fact with, with the science, you know, taking that wit and charm and not coming across as that calculating just the fact scientist, you know, that works. And I think, you know, he brought Andy Weir's character to life. So probably my biggest fan, like I said, is just the cast in general. Just the way this is put together is great. All right. Oh, I had one left that nobody picked. Uh, Cutting your floor, guys. <laughs> leave, leave it there. All right. Uh, so our next section is the pan section, where despite the fact it's think got three A's, we've got to say something critical. And unfortunately, I have to go first. Uh, <laughs> and the see, I, I, there's a, a bunch of little things, but nothing big. So I, my, I think that there were some places it just felt really rushed. I think a lot of places it felt really rushed, mm-hmm. like like things that should have been like bigger, like kind of just had to get skipped over, like the whole food issue that should have that was a such a huge deal in the book, and it's just mm-hmm. kind of like you know went at. Uh, in the movie, and there's just so many places. It's just we're just skimmed over stuff that I, w- I wish there was time we could have stopped and just lingered. And some of the some of the scenes with Mark really struggling. Um, I'd, I would like, like I would like to have lingered more with that. Um, 
And so it's a double-edged sword, though. Like, they imported more NASA stuff into the movie than there was in the book. Mm -hmm. So, But we end up getting less Mark because of that. And I feel like I would, I mean, maybe Castaway on Mars might have been a a different movie, but maybe I would have enjoyed (laughs) it more. Maybe that would have been an A-plus movie for me. Um, But I I think that we just end up rushing a lot. Um, And even at NASA, I mean, there was more of that than in the book. But, like, do we really know anybody there? Did we really get to know a single character? We know that, like, the head of NASA loves Tolkien to the point he wants to be Glorfindel, but, um, <laughs> but like, I mean, it felt like there's a lot of stuff we just kind of skimmed over that I would, I would have enjoyed lingering more with. So right. that's, that's my opinion. Okay. Uh, you know, it's so funny with, with your pan, you're talking about how fast some of the scenes move. You know, my pan is, I think the movie in general runs a bit too long at two hours, 24 minutes. Uh, I think some scenes, like you said, do uh, go too fast, but I think others really drag. Uh, And and once again, I know that Scott is trying to show, you know, how difficult this is, but I think maybe they, they maybe shined a little too much light on one and not on another. And then they had almost a two and a half hour movie and we're like, okay, we just got to get this thing cut and out. Uh, so I think the, the runtime for what it is, I think was a bit too long. And I think they, they could have maybe made other areas more important, like you were saying, and some NASA scenes a little less, you know, they, they hovered on the guy riding the bicycle around the JPL lab, just maybe a second too long, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think, I mean, I know Dwayne makes fun of me script doctoring all the time, but like, well, I mean, what I think they could have done that would have saved a lot of time was collapse a couple of those characters into one character. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like maybe have Sean Bean and Tuatel Ejiofor's character collapsed into one character. Right. And have like a Mindy Park and Donald Glover's character be one character. Have them perform no. both roles. Well, you can still, <laughs> I, well, I'm just saying, maybe somebody else or whatever, but like there's ways you could have, you know, trimmed that way. And like mm-hmm. you save some minutes there, yeah. that, you know, so it makes things on Mars not feel rushed. Or maybe right. we just, or just cut the runtime down, get under that 120 minute mark. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, um, I, I see exactly what both you guys are saying. It's because some of the, and it kind of goes along with my pan, and I, and I love with you guys, there are so many little things that you really can't consider pans. But, you know, the skimming uh, over of stuff, and me not being familiar with the book, wasn't aware of maybe so much skimming. And, you know, the runtime, it is a long movie at you know, like two hours and you know, like almost two and a half hours. It would have been much better, I think, right at the two hour mark. But I think one of the things is, you know, you don't get to know some of the characters so well. And I think some of the, that my pain is that some of the side characters, uh, you know, and I've seen all of these side characters in other things be amazing. You know, most notably, Sebastian Stan. He's just kind of like a pretty boy in an astronaut suit in this movie. You know, really, he's not got a lot of. I, I didn't feel a lot of depth with him, and I've seen him as Winter Soldier being torn, and you know that the weight he carries. Uh, but yeah, just just some of the side characters just not really acting to their potential, you know. And and of course, you know, this is revolved around you know Mark Watney, Matt Damon's character. But, you know, they, they could have really shined. I believe the cast had the potential to everyone shine. Well, and this is selfish, but, like, our, uh, going along with you, the real biggest pain in this movie is we get a very muted Michael Pena 
we are not getting the full Michael Payne experience. <laughs> this, this is true. This is true. I mean, and he, he's, he's amazing, you know, the scenes that he's in. But, you know, like you said, he's a very muted Michael Payne. You know, I, I personally find it funny that Dwayne is showering love on Sebastian Stan after Captain B-plus there, like, poo-pooed on our, our winter soldier, Jamie. <laughs> I'm still baffled. By That's that. still in my car. I'm trying to block that memory out. We may have to re-review that at some point. Oh. Uh. Let's move on to the awards then. Alright, uh Sammy, I think we're all gonna say the same thing. What do you have for best performance? All right. Uh, for me, best performance was Matt Damon as Mark Watney. Uh, so, I mean, like I said, Matt Damon, to me, is, is a good actor. You know, Goodwill Hunting. I mean, you, you've he's, he's got a lot of like, really good movies. Um, but to play this role, he had to be just more than smiling, charming Matt Damon. Um, he brought that to it, but he also had to have, you know, like I said, he had to be funny, but also that intelligence. And that's something we don't see a lot from science characters on the big screen. We don't see funny and intelligent. Uh, yeah. yeah. We get Sheldon Cooper, you know, big bang theory, or we get, you know, the, you know, slap happy kind of scientist who's a goof off, you know, that kind of thing. We get the, the wacky scientist and we don't get that in the middle. Um, you know, I think Damon in this role takes that jargon, makes it part of his dialogue and, and it doesn't drag you down. Um, so, uh, you know, I think he feels like a real person. So best performance for me is definitely Matt Damon. <laughs> We used to talk about goofy scientists. I started picturing Doc Brown on Mars. <laughs> yeah, and, and I was going to, and I was thinking, <laughs> you know, thinking maybe he's angry, insane scientist, you know, Dr. Frankenstein, you know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I, you have the, the absolute right answer. Matt Damon, if, if he doesn't work, this movie doesn't work. Um, you know, I know we talked about it being Castaway in space, and you know, you have the NASA elements. It's kind of like Castaway meets Apollo 13 in space. Um, but uh, yeah, Matt Damon, and you know, a, a movie I saw him in that really let me know his true acting potential was Thor Ragnarok. I mean, I just saw the depths he could go to there, and and his his range. So I knew, I knew, you know, even seeing that before this, that he could he could pull that off. Yeah, and I agree. I've got Matt Damon for this too. And I mean, and as a, I'm a huge fan of the book, and I was not picturing Matt Damon as Mark Watney. And when I found out that they'd cast him, I was like, well, I get it. They need a name to help sell the movie. But like, he is not what I was picturing. He's not what I wanted. And then, so he had to win me over because um, I was resistant to him being Mark Watney. Uh, and he did it. I mean, he absolutely won me over. Uh, I was picturing more of a Charlie Day type character, mm -hmm. <laughs> not, not Matt Damon. Mm. Um, and he was phenomenal. Um, he portrays all the funny he needs to. But when it's time to get desperate and afraid, he nails desperation and fear. So Matt Damon yeah. is that true. absolutely the right answer. Yep. All right. 
Dwayne, let's see for three for three on best scene. I think we might be again. Well, uh, I don't know. I, I hope we are, though. But my favorite scene is Donald Glover, Rich Parnell, when he demonstrates the slingshot. When he, <laughs> then he walks into Chicago's <laughs> office and says, uh, you need to hang up the phone. He's like, and who are you? <laughs> and he walks in and he's, he's telling who he says, and, you know, and, and they've, they've named it. I love that they've named it, you know, Project Elrod. And Sean Bean says, because it's a secret meeting. And then he acts like he knows nothing else. <laughs> you know, we know he was, you know, we know who he is. And then, you know, Wong has to, has to oh, it's, it's, you know, when, when they just uh, destroy the one ring. And Jeff Daniels, as you said earlier, you know, Glenfindale, uh, and, and the lady saying, I hate every one of you. That's <laughs> one of my favorite little moments. And, and, and he says, you go stand over here. You go stand over here. Who are you again? <laughs> and Jeff Daniels delivery. I'm Teddy, the director of NASA. Like he's speaking to a five-year-old child. <laughs> I love and, the and look he, he gives Glover when he steals his pen. And he proceeds, <laughs> to, he proceeds to fly around the room with a stapler. Yep, yep. Steals his pen, you know, just while Angel Ford, you know, bonks the pen off of uh, her head <laughs> and the intercept. And he goes like, and he, he says, get out, <laughs> get out, you know, and, and he has enough presence of mind, you know, to put his pen back in his pocket correctly, <laughs> you know, his right pen and, you know, put the stapler back and he goes, but yeah, that's my favorite scene, that scene. You know, and I know it's a huge hinge of the movie. It's a huge plot point. So it's a very important scene to get right. But the humor um, and the skill that they portrayed that scene uh, just, just blows my mind. I love it. It's a good one. I don't think it's the right one, though. Um, mine is the rescue. Uh, from the moment when he gets to the the Ares Four Mav and has to tear it apart, <laughs> just that I mean, he's got a tarp duct tape to the top of it. I mean, and they launch him into space and he passes out and the things just junk. There's nuts and bolts banging off the astronaut mask, and then uh, the I'm blanking her name, Captain uh, Commander Lewis comes yeah. out after him. Uh, does it reach? And then he has to Iron Man his way out to her. I mean, and the the drama of all that, how tense that gets. Um, yeah, that the rescue scene is it's exciting, it's intense. Um, the Iron Man bit isn't a bit scientific. <laughs> it adds to the drama uh, in the character, and uh, I just I love the rescue scene. But it truly shows his desperation yeah. and how long mm-hmm. he's been out there and how insane he's gotten. I have conquered Mars. I can Iron Man myself over to the spaceship. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. So, 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 Jamie, I agree with you that that scene is intense. It's awesome. But I'm going to have to side with Dwayne on this. Okay. The border discussion no. with Project Elrond and Sean Bean. Boromir himself making the comment <laughs> about the Council of Elrond. Okay. I'm sorry. Right Every nerd part in me was like, yes. <laughs> and the fact that this room full of NASA's hierarchy were all little nerds at one time. <laughs> and the fact that that 
jerk himself, Teddy Sanders, okay, knew Glorfindel, okay? <laughs> We're talking the book. We're not talking Peter Jackson movies here, okay? So for our, our listeners out there that have never read the book, that wasn't Arwen that rescues Frodo and takes him to Rivendell as in the movie. It was Glorfindel. Okay, so these are Tolkien nerds that are controlling NASA, and nerdy me loved every moment of it. <laughs> and I and I think that was a total nerd flex too. Like to like oh. I'm gonna pull up Glorfindel, yeah. It's it better than those stupid great. movies. Yeah. Oh, it was fantastic. It was. It was great. I loved it. I mean, and like I said, just for Sean Bean, and he didn't die in this movie. So come on, his <laughs> career died though. Well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, they stuck to form. His career died. was Well, you're both wrong. I'm not, I, I got outvoted, but I'm still right. Uh, our next award is Best Character, and um, I'm not obeying Sammy's Oscar rules. Uh, I'm going Mark Watney. Um, I love the combination of... Uh, toughness and silliness that he has. I love the sense of humor. I mean, he's such a weird dude. If you really think about it, <laughs> he's a giant weirdo. Um, but I love that uh, Damon's performance brings a lot of humanity to the character, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that the, the way that they show some of those internal struggles. Um, the, like those moments, those real moments of quiet desperation. I think about the scene where he's trying to count potatoes in the middle of that storm. Um, where his hab is already blown up once. And if one thing pops, he's dead. I mean, within seconds. And he can't count the potatoes. You know, it's just that those little moments. I mean, I just, I love Mark Watney. Um, and I had notes about comparisons to the book, but we want Dwayne to read it. So I'm going to leave those out. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, uh, am I wrong? Anybody can disagree with me? I'm not going to disagree with you. I'm not going to disagree with you, uh, but I will uh, follow Sam's uh, Oscar rules (laughs) since he sided with me on this scene. Okay, so uh, you're not wrong about Watney, but uh, I love, you know, there's so many great characters. There's so many great portrayals of characters. And and I went with this one just because of my Oscar rules, and I've got a couple others in different places throughout the awards here. But uh, an actor uh, that I think is highly underrated, um, but I love in many, many things in this movie, especially is Jeff Daniels as the director of NASA. He's so subtle. He's so cool. And so trying to hold things together um, and just so intense and, you know, pulling out Glorfindel. I mean, hello, <laughs> killing off Sean Bean, you know, hello. How cool is that? You know, uh, bossing uh, Lando Calrissian around, <laughs> you know, get out, <laughs> you know, how, uh, you know, he, he was just, I loved his portrayal. It, there was a lot of subtlety there. There was a lot of inner strength, and and you see the weight of NASA on this man's shoulders. Um, I, I, Teddy, uh, as the director of NASA, Jeff Daniels, who's my favorite character, one of my favorite characters. I think he did a really good job of showing like that tough position it is, like trying to keep the government happy, keep yeah. his employees happy, get the mission accomplished. Like, right. that, that, that balancing act. I think he did a really good job of portraying that. Yeah, yeah. Should I should I risk the crew to save one guy? You know, right. So, so, so basically, if you think about it, you know, and, and you think about this in terms of movies. So, Jeff Dan- Daniels was the boss of 
Boromir. He was the boss of Lando Calrissian, and he was the boss of Cheetah because Kristen Wiig <laughs> is playing Cheetah, right? So, <laughs> and, and, and the Winter Soldier. Yep, 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 definitely. Um, so I'm going to swerve from both of you guys. So I, I found this interesting. I really liked Commander Lewis. I thought Jessica Jastain did such a good job in this as Commander Lewis because unlike some of the other characters, she had a little bit of development. We, we learned about her, you know, a little bit throughout the course of this. Um, I love the fact that even though she's being told from NASA, no, no, she still decides to go with this. But the thing is, it's not just on her. She truly looks at her team. And to me, that is a good leader. Uh, she does. She relies on her own experience, but she also relies on the experiences of her crew. And I, I think that makes a good reader or a good leader. And I think that the interactions between Lewis and Watney over the music choices is great. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> The, the yeah. Donna Summer and the disco just made me laugh so hard. So, and that and that was the point I knew Mark Watney lost his mind when he starts like, tapping his foot and dancing in the in the room. <laughs> He's been on Mars a long time, <laughs> sitting for the nuclear core, playing hot stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, I think we're all going to... There's so many options for the next award. Um, I suspect we'll all have different ones for this one. Uh, Sammy, what's your best quote? Uh, all right. So, actually, Dwayne, in, in his numerous quote dropping throughout, <laughs> has already alluded to mine. Uh, <laughs> but it's my favorite quote. And it's actually dialogue instead of dialogue that I normally do. This is actually a quote. Um, Mark Watney, at some point everything's going to go south on you and you're going to say, this is it. This is how I end. Now you can either accept that or you can get to work. That's all it is. You just, again, you do the math, you solve one problem and you solve the next one and then the next. And if you solve enough problems, you get to come home. That is such a great, almost monologue when you think about it, because that's just life in general, isn't it? Yeah. You just solve one problem, then solve the next one. I mean, and it, I think it, it's such a great quote for life in general. I want to put that in my classroom, especially it says you do the math. So <laughs> <laughs> you do the math. Well, I'm I'm gonna jump in next because Dwayne's already given a bunch. I'm afraid he's gonna grab mine with his last last chance at it. Mine's just a little funny Mark Watney line that just makes me laugh. Um, it's not deep. Sorry, Sammy already went deep on us, so I, I'm going to be the funny one this time. There you go. Um, I love when he's like planting the potatoes, or it's right before he plants potatoes and he says, Mars will come to fear my botany powers. <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a silly line. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many, and you guys have, have picked the, you know, Sam, of course, with the really heartfelt great one. There's a few other heartfelt ones in here, but you know, Mars will come to fear my botany powers. He also says, what, says suck it, Neil Armstrong. Go to space in a convertible. And he talks about that, and he also talks about being a space pirate. Yeah. Uh, those are those are all great lines. Um, I kind of mm -hmm. swerved a little bit, and I'm it's like five extra weeks. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and squeeze in a, a, a another kind of character award here uh, with my quote. And it's uh, Michael Pena. 
as Martinez when they're having the first communication back with him after they find out he's alive and they give him permission to communicate with him and, and uh, you know, Pena's giving him a hard time. Like, oh, you know, we really didn't think you were dead. We really just left you. And he's <laughs> carrying on, you know, and he talks about, you know, how, you know, they're having to pick up his duties, but it's, you know, it sucks because it's not real science. It's just botany. But, you know, <laughs> it's the closest. You know, this is the closest we get to Michael Pena telling somebody something since Ant Man. So that's going to be my, my quote. That's going to be my award there. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. Now, our next award is one of the episode specifics. And, Dwayne, you get to go first. And there's a lot of options in the movie, there's even more in the book. Wow. Yep. But what is your best disaster slash setback? Well, I think this may be one of the better choices. Um, and I, I would not be surprised if one of you other, one of you other guys don't pick it as well, but it's one of the first disasters he's encountered with after, you know, blowing his eyebrows off after, you know, being stranded on Mars in the first place, you know, how, how much more South could things go, but it's when uh, the, uh, the hab blows and his crops are destroyed, you know, and that was, you know, what, everyone was depending upon to get him out to Seoul, you know, 868. Um, so yeah, when he lost, when he lost his crops, that was a, you know, really one of the most impactful for me. Cause you're like, Oh, his foundation just got taken out from under him. You know, and his, bot- his botany powers are gone now. Yeah. His botany powers are gone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's, he's got no more science to, you know, he's got no more crap to science out of. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what I—that's what I had too. I had the same scene uh, when that airlock blows. I mean, so much of the hope just gets—it gets sucked out with the oxygen. I mean, yeah. And he gets forced onto that crazy diet, and it just—it just ratchets up the tension and anxiety on Mars. I and he's that. dipping his potatoes in Vicodin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. So I guess for my um, award for this. I'm going to go back to what Dwayne was talking about just right before the scene that you guys liked when he does burn his eyebrows off. Okay. <laughs> I love the fact that it, and once again, it's that science side of things and he forgot to, to count the oxygen and what he's exhaling and all this kind of stuff. And, and I laugh at that because I have done that on a grill Okay, the starter was messed up, so I grabbed a uh, a lighter like you would light candle with, turned on the gas, and hit it. <laughs> I lost most of the eyebrow on one side of my face, uh, <laughs> my sideburns at the time, part of my beard, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I, I, I feel it. I loved it because I, I've been there. <laughs> All right, well, our last award uh, for this great movie is, and I, I couldn't think of another way to put this. It's just best random amazing OMG. This cast is crazy side character. Uh, and I get the privilege of going first. And guys, I wanted to say Michael Pena so bad, but I just can't. We don't get the full Pena here. Um, and so I went with a name I can't pronounce. Chuatel Edgeo for the operative from Serenity uh, and Baron Mordo from, or just Mordo <laughs> in the movies from Doctor Strange. Uh, but that dude stole so many scenes in this movie. 
Uh, and he had a lot to do and not a lot of time to do it in. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. and, he, and he had some light scenes, like the whole thing, like when he's when Mark has asked him if, if they're kidding him. And he does that little little scene where he's like, how do you think he means that? I, mean, <laughs> I, I love that. He, so he gets a little light moment. He nails those. He's got to get serious when he's arguing with Jeff Daniels. Um, so he had these serious moments, and he nailed everything. And he had and it was just so impressive because if you really add up his screen time, it's not much. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, but he does so much of the heavy lifting. Uh, I just, I think he, he really blew me away. Nice. Huh? Right. Anybody else? Or, or am I, are we all just going to agree with me and move on? <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, what did you go with? Well, uh, I went with the guy who had even less screen time than Chitwell uh, Edge of Four uh, is Donald Glover's character. He had to make an impact. You know, he had to steal the room. He had to show up at him. And just his kind of distant gaze. He's not quite connected to really anybody. And, you know, when he's, you know, he's like, and what's your name again? Hit director, you know, the director of NASA. You know, and he, he comes up with the plan. But yeah, Donald Glover, anytime he's on the screen, my eyes are on him. You know, he's, he's amazing. But Donald Glover as Rich Parnell, Astrodynamics, the steely-eyed missile man. <laughs> I was hoping somebody was picking him. I wanted to pick him too. Oh, okay. I did a little bit of a cheat here. Okay, no. I had a really tough time picking one side character. So I loved the JPL crew. Okay, yeah. they were just such a ragtag looking. They were like looking at industrial light and magic when they were doing A New Hope. I mean, it was that kind of thing. And and to see the contrast between Johnson Space Center's people with their suits and ties and then JPL. And I just loved it. It, it, And I, I, I guess I'm partial. I have a JPL hat that a student brought they got the tour uh part of jpl on, on, when they were traveling one time oh, yeah. and they brought me a hat so so i've got a jpl like ball cap and i love that hat so uh so i just i have to go with the whole jpl crew because they were just this weird looking bunch man i dug it so well the jet propulsion labs that you're referring to it has a phenomenal history and how they uh-huh. came about and how they, and these were just guys blowing stuff up yeah. You know, let's just put enough explosives under this thing and see how high we can knock it into the sky. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and these, you know, they were just so awesome. And I love, I love their history there. And they're, and like you said, they're just so ragtag looking. You have Benedict Wong, you know, saying, uh, I'm going to need to change your clothes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they, of all the nerds in this movie, they were the nerdies. Yes. Yeah, they were amazing. I got yes. a kick out of them. I, I mm-hmm. wanted to pick Wong, so I'm I'm glad you you went with JP. Yeah, I, so, I, so I, Wong I thought about him there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we got those those guys in there. Uh, you know, and another guy. You know, as we were talking about this cast as being so amazing, uh, you know, I I really would have loved to have seen maybe one other actor brought in here. You know, a, a, a one key on her Reeves. What could he have done here? What could he have brought to this movie? I'm so glad he wasn't stranded on Mars. I'm so glad we didn't lose him. I'm 
you know, he, he could have captained the ship. He could have been the rescuer, you know, out, out at the, at the airlock. He could have been the brains uh, behind the public relations, just as smooth and cool as he is. But he wasn't in this movie. But Jamie, how does he connect to this movie in our Keanu connection? Well, this was an easy connection because one of the little side characters in this movie um, was in one of my favorite Keanu movies. And so I had it right off the bat. So I went and started digging around to their filmography and something jumped out to me as I was scrolling through it. Um, to the best of my knowledge, this guy has only been the star of one movie, but he's been like second or third build on tons of movies with a ton of amazing actors. And so I'm just going to give you a list of the people he's been second or third build to. George Clooney, Clint Eastwood, Winona Ryder, Doc Brown, Christopher Lloyd's on here. Uh, Gary Sinise, Charlize Theron, James Spader, Glenn Close, Sigourney Weaver, Jeremy Piven, Sandra Bullock, Robin Williams, Robin Wright, Bruce Willis, Daniel Craig, Emily Blunt, Russell Crowe, Martin Sheen, Demi Moore, Jim Carrey, Cloris Leachman, Ben Affleck, Helen Mirren, Don Johnson, Susan Sarandon, Dennis Hopper, and John Goodman with a bunch of spiders. Um, <laughs> Jeff Daniels, Glorfindel himself, played the director <laughs> of NASA in The Martian. But long before that, way back in 1994, the same year he was in Dumb and Dumber, he co-starred with Keanu in Speed where he got blowed up by the captain of the D's. Dennis <laughs> and that the is our Keanu connection. <gasps> the lawnmower man himself was our Keanu connection. <laughs> I think that was Jeff Fahey. Was it Jeff Fahey? <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm not going to edit it out. Jeff Daniels was in everything else. I don't blame you for guessing it. His, film, his filmography is insane. Oh, He's yeah. been in everything with everybody. I mm -hmm. cut, this isn't half of the people I wanted. I, yeah. I cut that. He's that amazing. huge list. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. He's amazing and an amazing character actor. Yeah. And he's been in so many different kinds of movies. I mean, it's, it's wild. Um, you don't think of Jack Daniels and think of range, but like if you really look at his filmography, there's a lot of range there. Yeah, that, mm -hmm. yeah, that's why earlier I said, you know, a very underrated guy. I think yeah, yeah. very, very You're uh, right. devoted to the developed character actor. Yeah. yeah, he can he can take a role and really mold it. Yep, and he's I mean, other, I think he was the star of that TV show, the uh, the network. What was it called? I forget. He was leading some kind of news show, some something or other. Uh, I think the only movie he was the lead in of all of his like hundreds of credits was Arachnophobia. <laughs> <laughs> and really, he was second build to spiders. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, my. Jamie, what do we have coming up, my friend? Uh, coming up, uh, we're doing another one of our holiday specials. Uh, Father's Day's coming up, so we cast around. What's the most heartwarming Father's Day movie we could think of. And um, so, of course, we thought of Yondu Udanto. <laughs> <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2 is going to be our Father's Day special. Good old Yondu. Well, I mean, we're following up uh, Mother's Day with Bailey, <laughs> so we might as well do Guardians Volume 2, right? <laughs> When I when I think of fatherly warmth, Michael Rooker comes to mind. So, <laughs> not really. 
<laughs> I thought it'd be ego. So. <laughs> oh. Well, as uh, we prepare to celebrate the joys of fatherhood, until we meet again, grab your copy of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, give it a review, and... We're going to eat tons of potatoes and keep it nerdy. <laughs>